Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Plain and simple, former Yankee Mark Teixeira is full of crap. Plus, sleazy principals in the New York City school system, legalizing pot and panic in Needle Park. What a week. Like I said, you're going to want to get a load of this. All right. Last week, we spoke here about Robbie Cano and his 80-game suspension from baseball for using, what the hell was it called? Furosemi, furosemi, whatever the hell it is. It's a diuretic which covers, masks, if you will, the use of performance-enhancing drugs. In other words, what do you know? Robbie Cano was and is a cheater. The former Yankee, who is now, as we know, a Seattle Mariner, he accepted the suspension but said he had taken the drug inadvertently. All right? Inadvertently. I quote Robbie now, you know, through a statement. This substance was given to me by a licensed doctor in the Dominican Republic to treat a medical condition. In other words, Robbie Cano, like I said, is full of shit. These players must think we're all morons, folks. Each and every one of us, when they say they took something without the knowledge that it was taboo by Major League Baseball. Yeah, sure. If any of you want to believe that, then I have acres and acres of some luxurious beachfront properties for you so you can buy up in Harlem. Luxurious beachfront properties, if you can buy that. I mean... He got it from a licensed doctor. What was it? A voodoo doctor? A witch doctor? But Robbie Cano and the other users, they're not the only ones who are full of it. A day or two after Robbie's suspension made news, I heard something that, I mean, I'm telling you, really, really pissed me off. Big time. And it was extremely disappointing. Because it came from one of his former Yankee teammates, now retired Mark Deshera. And I'm going to quote Mark here. This is what Mark had to say. I don't really want to get into it too much. Not too much detail. I love Robbie, but I'm not surprised. Oh, really? Mark Teixeira was not surprised. Then Marky went on to say this. You kind of know. 
This is what we do for a living. You see guys when they're young, see who they're hanging with. You just kind of know as a ball player. 50% of guys popped. I'm like, of course. I knew it. Others are a little surprising. Well, you know what? You know why this really pisses me off? Remember what I said last week? Players don't and won't police themselves. And that, again, I'll say that is a bunch of bullshit. Now that Mark Deshera is no longer playing, now he decides to speak up? This really dismayed me because I I always viewed Teixeira as a team leader when he was on the Yanks. A vocal guy who held himself and his teammates accountable. Well, I sure was wrong about holding teammates accountable for Mark Deshera. Now, I'm not saying, and and people read this the wrong way, or if you want to read this the wrong way, don't. I'm not saying or even suggesting a player should tell on a teammate. Nobody wants to be a squealer, and nobody likes a squealer. I don't. And I get it. I understand it. But how about getting in a teammate's face? Yeah. How about getting in a teammate's face and confronting the teammate? Man to man, look him in the eyes and ask him, hey, are you using? Look him in the eyes and say, hey, I think you might be using. Or look him in the eyes and say, I know that you're using. What's wrong with doing that, folks? What's wrong with policing yourselves? Just telling a guy to cut the crap out and stop it. That would be the right thing to do. So if Deshera, think about this. If Deshera was surprised about Robbie Cano, then how could he have not possibly known when Alex Rodriguez, a multiple times violator, was nailed? Think about it. Really, think about that. Not only did Rod, not only did A Rod lie about his using multiple times, he sued the Yankees team doctor and the very players association that he and all his teammates were members of. That same association, you know, A Rod was a member, Teixeira was a member, Cano was a member, all major leaguers are members of the same association. Think about that. Why didn't the sheriff say, hey, come on, Alex, you're making it difficult for all of us. The public doesn't trust us. And we have to regain their trust. And by you and whoever the hell, what other cronies are are cheating, you got to stop it. It makes us all look bad. It's bad for the game. It's bad for everybody. That would have been the right thing to do. Instead, we never heard a peep from Teixeira about A-Rod. Never heard a peep about anything about Cano. And, you know, I'm sure he didn't confront Cano like I suggested he should have done. Yet now, now he's got the balls to come out and talk about Cano and say he's not surprised. That is such garbage. 
I mean, it, it's, disgrace, it's disgraceful. It shows no balls and no backbone. And speaking of which, how about Yankees GM Brian Cashman this past week? This pissed me off as well. He didn't come out and say he knew about Cano. He, he wasn't as strong uh, on it as Teixeira was saying he wasn't surprised. But Cashman did insinuate that he suspected him. You know, he went on to say that suspecting and knowing are two different things. Okay, Brian, I get you. But if you kind of suspected one of your players in the organization was using, you confront them? Did you confront Robbie? Did you talk to him about maybe are you using? Let's see now. Let's, let's, let's do a little arithmetic here. You had Robbie Cano. You had Alex Rodriguez. You had Melky Cabrera. Three Dominican players. Three buddies. Three Yankee teammates. All three at one time or another. Now busted for using. Did you suspect them, Brian? And as the GM, shouldn't you have confronted them if there was suspect? And let us not forget other former Yankees also tested positive. Andy Pettit, Francisco Cervelli. Ever talk to them, Brian? And of course, with the whole Roger Clemens mess, wasn't there plenty to suspect? It just really, really... Rubs me the wrong way when people talk like this after the fact. After the fact. These are the same kind of people, players, GMs, managers. They don't like second guessing. It pisses them off. But here they are talking after the fact. I mean, it is horseshit. Oh, this guy was a great teammate. This guy was a great guy, yada, yada, yada. That's what you always hear. I'm always going to support my teammate. Well, that's nice. You should support your teammate. But supporting a teammate is also having the guts, the gumption to go up in their face and confront them. So you don't get to this point, this problem. As far as I'm concerned, really, as far as I am concerned to share it and Cashman, embarrass themselves, they should be ashamed of them, uh, themselves. Especially to Shara. I'm not surprised. Not surprised my ass. Then, of course, we have A-Rod, the broadcaster. The star of Sunday Night Baseball for ESPN. During his past Sunday's game, oh, God. Uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? Matt... Uh, Viscurgeon. Viscurgeon, excuse me. He says to A-Rod, and quite understandably so, he says to A-Rod, Matt does, people want to hear your thoughts on Cano. You know, and Robbie Cano, as I said, is A-Rod's former teammate and good buddy. So here's what A-Rod had to say. This is a tough one for me because I do love Robbie. I do know that it will be a long road back, a tough road back, 
But I'm confident that Robinson Cano was going to come back and continue his spectacular career. And I hope at the same time he can learn a great lesson and make his life even better. Boy, that gets me. I hate to tell you where. I'm I'm glad this is not TV because I can let you imagine where it gets me. Sure. You know what a a great lesson that Cano learned from A-Rod? It's that the public is loaded with suckers. It allows you to get away with all kinds of crap. All Robbie has to do is look at his buddy A-Rod. He is living proof. So if any of you suckers out there think that the steroid era is over in baseball, you better think again because it's alive and well. Alive and well. People are still using and nobody is still policing. And I got some advice out there for anybody, any place. Players, players association, agents, all of them. I don't want to hear any more crap. None. No more bullshit that I'm not surprised. Ah, I kind of suspected, kind of knew all along. Well, you know what? If you did, you're guilty of helping to hurt the game. The game that pays you a king's ransom. So shame on each and every one of you. Mark Deshera, I'm not surprised. Bullshit. All right, let's now move on to, uh, if I may call it, the idiocy of New York State and of the New York City Department of Education. I mean, really, folks, you really got to get a load of this. Under state law... Educators with tenure, okay, with tenure, cannot be brought up on disciplinary charges more than three years after their alleged misconduct. All right? So, having said that, I guess that means if dirtbag Harvey Weinstein or fellow dirtbag chef Mario Batali where educators in the New York City school system with tenure, they'd have nothing to worry about as long as their despicable behavior was more than three years old. How's this for insanity? I, I mean, it's maddening. The city, folks, has paid a total of $830,000 to settle Five lawsuits, five lawsuits against uh, his name is Howard Quate, the principal of John Bowne High School in Queens. What were the lawsuits for? For sexual harassment. This is a principal. This ain't, you know, some plumber, some somebody, sub, somebody scrubbing floors. It's a principal. The guy in charge of the teachers and the children. Lawsuits for sexual harassment. According to uh, assistant principal, an assistant principal there in the school, Quaid was asked, uh, or asked her and other female colleagues for threesomes. 
That's what a normal principal does. Ask for threesomes. Rubbed against her and offered, <laughs> offered to reward her with oral sex if she could increase the graduation rate in a school. I got to tell you, times have changed because if it was going on, I didn't hear principals offering the teachers when I was coming through the system threesomes or oral sex. But get a load of this. While the new chancellor, uh, his name is Richard Carranza, right? While he removed this pig, Howard Quate, from John Bowne High School, what did he do? He simply reassigned him to an unspecified office. And that's not all. Get a load of this. Quate still collects a salary of more than $156,000. He will still get contractual raises, and he also gets to accumulate credits, folks, for his pension. All this simply because the Department of Education can't terminate or even discipline him him because because the three-year statute of limitations has expired. I mean, think about this. I, I mean, I can't be alone in being shocked by this. This pig, an educator, not just any educator, not some scrabini, the man in charge. He does this and he can't be disciplined. And it gets even more twisted because he's not alone. Uh, at the, what is it, the Manhattan Center for Science and Mathematics in Harlem. Principal there, his name is David Jimenez, all right? He's still the principal there, despite the city settling another assistant principal's harassment suit for $150,000. According to the assistant principal, Jimenez grabbed her from behind and fondled her breasts. That's normal behavior for a principal. But no discipline. Why? Because the three-year statute of limitations passed. So while this sleazebag's behavior cost the taxpayers money, the bum himself, Jimenez, gets to keep his job and the $173,000 salary that goes with it. And there's still more cases like these two that we're talking about. This is absolute idiocy, insanity, whatever the hell you want to call it. It is a disgrace for the Department of Education. And if it's a state law, it's a disgrace to the state. I stick up for teachers. I stick up for educators. One of my daughters was a teacher. I mean, it's one of the most noble professions you could ever, ever have. You know, and, and we, you, as parents, we entrust, we, we, we give these educators our children because we trust them, you know, to, to nurture them. And this is the kind of behavior they can get away with and get away with it because there's a three-year statute of limitation. 
I mean, folks, there is no common sense here whatsoever. Zip. Zero. How, how the hell can a principal or principals get away with this? Like, it's not an isolated situation. Three years? I mean, to me, there shouldn't be any statute. But three years? Like, if somebody wanted to say, well, you know, it happened 10 years ago or 50. Three years? That's all? I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. I'll tell you what's also nuts and also a disgrace. The actions of another principal this past week, or last week, Ruth Lacey. She's the principal, I'm sure you heard of her, she's the principal of Beacon High School, also in Manhattan. This idiot gets on a loudspeaker and asks her students to pause for a moment of silence in honor of 60 Palestinians killed by Israeli soldiers in Gaza the day before. Of the 60, folks, of the 60, 50 were members of Hamas. 50 were there for the sole purpose of murder and killing and destruction. That's what Hamas stands for. Now, how do we know 50 of them were Hamas? Because Hamas itself said so. That's how. Look, people, I don't care what your political views are. Really. You're all entitled for political views. But asking for a moment of silence in the school is inappropriate. Especially a moment of silence for Hamas? Maybe this dope Ruth Lacey, maybe, maybe she's thinking about suggesting we honor Hitler and Osama bin Laden when their birthdays come around. But this is just like a week old. So to me, there's no statute of limitation. Plain and simple, plain and simple. Ruth Lacey ought to be fired. She ought to be thrown out on her ass. Let her go be a principal for Hamas someplace, all right? Because that is just absolutely moronic to me. Moving along, let's staying in New York City. Let's talk about a subject many of us like to talk about. Pot. You know? Marijuana. If you're blowing a doobie in New York City, you won't be arrested. You may get issued a summons, but you won't be arrested. With the legalization of uh, pot, or if we want to be particular marijuana coming to New York, uh, Your Honor, uh, Mayor de Blasio wants uh, the police, the NYPD, to lighten up on those lighting up. Now, I have mixed emotions on this issue. I understand the lightening up approach. I get it. I do. I grew up in the 60s, so I definitely get it. But I also get this. Anybody I knew or know who did harder drugs, and I'm talking coke, heroin, pills, 
They all got started on pot. They advanced from there. Now, if you're asking me, well, Russ, if you're against it being legalized, what's your alternative? No, I don't have an alternative. I'm just saying, don't be fooled. Don't think this is easy peasy. Making pot legal, it, folks, it comes with consequences. And some will be bad consequences. And I don't think the decision makers here are thinking or have thought about all these consequences, potential consequences, thoroughly. But besides the pot, we now have another move de Blasio is making that I think really, to me, is just flat out bad, bad, bad. He wants to open up drug injection centers, okay? Four of them. At four different sites in the city. Uh, In Brooklyn, it's Park Slope. Burham Hill in Manhattan, it would be Hell's Kitchen and Washington Heights, and in the Bronx, Longwood. Injection centers where people can go shoot up without fear of reprisal, without fear of being arrested. Hello? Anybody think that schools are in these areas? Mommies are in these areas walking their kids in strollers. Bad idea. Bad idea. Not just because of a location. Bad period. You can't make it easy for addicts to shoot up. And not only are you making it easy, you make it easy with no consequences. Think about it. It's ridiculous. So if you're a junkie, let's say you're a junkie shooting up in your own home, you can be arrested. Somebody reports you, you can be arrested. You're a junkie shooting up in your own building, you can be arrested. But in an injection center, you're home free. If you're caught selling a block or two away from an injection center, I guess all you need to do is say, hey, I was on the way to to shoot up, and, you know, then I guess you'd be good to go. Sorry. This is bad. Lighting up, lightning up on pot, I get it. I will understand it. But making it okay to shoot up, bad, bad, bad. Any which way you look at it. And I, I just think these decisions can't be left up to politicians alone to decide. Because as we all know, politicians are going to base their decision on what? On votes. That's what they're going to base their decisions on. But what they should be doing is seeking knowledge on the issues. Not from voters who are just interested in blowing doobies, but from trained professionals who deal in the business of drugs and drug addiction. Doctors, nurses, therapists, etc. Talk to them. Understand from them the consequences. Let them explain the pros and cons. Believe me, I don't have a problem with pot being legalized. 
but not without a framework that spells out all the potential consequences. And I guarantee you this, legalization of pot will mean younger users. And like I said, I never knew anybody who didn't start out with pot before advancing to more serious drugs. Some choose just to smoke pot and nothing else. It's like drinking. Just because you like booze doesn't mean you're going to be an alcoholic. Ditto with pot. Doesn't mean you're a drug addict. But some will become alcoholics who drink a lot. Ditto for pot smokers. Some will become addicted. And legalization will bring about more addiction. So for everybody who wants it, and I get it. I, I understand that. And, and some of the, the penalties in the past, like I said, I grew up in the 60s, were far too hard. But again, with the legalization, it's going to come problems. You're going to have more addiction. Listen, I said this, you know, a few um, podcasts back. If you remember when I was talking with uh, Arnie Wexler, uh, a specialist on, um, you know, gambling addiction. Same thing goes with gambling. When you get legalized gambling, trust me, and I like laying down a bet, but when you get legalized gambling, you're going to get younger people and more people gambling. And some of those people are going to become addicted and you're going to have a problem in our society. Now, now getting back to the issue of those of the addicts, though, shooting up, I read in the papers this week that was was like 5,000 syringes are found in Bronx parks per week. That's right. 5,000 per week. Now that that's beyond sickening. And I'm sure those numbers are going to be used to advance the idea of injection centers. But injection centers send the message that it's okay. It's okay to be a junkie. If you want to help a junkie, that's one thing. If you want to help correct them, that's one thing. But just to say, go ahead and shoot in the same place because it's convenient and it keeps the riffraff out, you know, or the syringes off the street, it doesn't work for me. And then you got the other problem of administering the law. Because I will tell you, defense attorneys will have a field day with this. No, my client was on his way to the injection center. He was doing what you want him to do. You want him to shoot up in an injection center, so he was going, and now you're picking on him? Then you're going to have the other argument from an attorney. What exactly constitutes going to an injection center? Is it one block away? Is it two blocks away? Is it three blocks away? This has to be looked at in every which way. And with common sense. And right now, I don't see one bit, not one iota of common sense being used. Not one. Like I said, you you know... Don't base your decisions, don't allow it all to be, you know, these politicians, they're basing their decisions on you, on you, the voters. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's cool. Yeah, let, let's. Well, that, that's great. Speak to professionals. Speak to people with knowledge, with real understanding. Speak to leaders in their field. Again, the nurses, the doctors, the the therapists, uh, psychiatrists, whatever the hell you want to. But speak to them. Don't just make decisions. Don't just make decisions. For the sake of making a decision or appeasement. Doesn't work that way. And finally, lo and behold... NFL owners have agreed, and this is a unanimous agreement, folks. They've approved a new policy for the National Anthem that will now, in the coming season, require all players to stand if they're on the field during the anthem. But it also gives the option to players or player to remain in the locker room if they prefer. Now, the policy also subjects teams. In other words, if you're a giant, you're a jet, it's a, it can subject the team to uh, fine if a player on said team or personnel from that team does not show respect for the anthem. And what is not showing respect, it would be sitting or nailing. And as we all know, which has been a major issue the last couple of years. What do I think about all this? Look. Some people you can't satisfy, period. On both sides of the coin. On both sides of the coin. But this has gone on long enough. I'll call this a compromise. It's gone on long enough. It's time to move on. The player's point has been heard. Loud and clear, it has been heard. Whether you like it or not, it has been heard. Now, I personally... I... How how should I say it? I don't want to say I support... See, I would not have done... I would not have done it the way the players did it. Okay? I would not have done it that way. But I supported their right to do it. I thought the optics were bad. I thought it looked bad. And it created a problem. It created a division. And it was not good for anybody. The point was made. Now, but also, you know, players got something done. They got something like a $90 million agreement that that owners over the X amount of years are going to donate to uh, African-American causes or issues. 90 million is a lot of shkarol, you know? So there was a plus out of that. Uh, I'm not, I told you, you, you've heard me here talk about Colin Kaepernick. I'm not getting into that. Been there, done that. You know, why I supported players' right to stand up, I did not support Kaepernick. You know, his issues wearing, wearing socks depicting police uh, of, of pigs and, and, and wearing a Castro T-shirt was just idiotic. He lost me on that. 
But having said that, this is a compromise. And if there are some players who don't like it, tough. And if there's some people in the public who don't like it, also tough. We got to move on. And that's one of the problems that you have in this country at the highest levels. People don't, whether you're left, right, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, nobody sits down to talk. So how the hell can anything get settled unless you sit down and talk and listen to each other? So after two years and a lot of aggravation, the owners have come up with a decision and a unanimous decision. It was uh, approved unanimously by all the owners. And from there, we move on. And from that, I move on. I want to thank everybody for all of you for getting a load of me. And now, as I always say, I like to get a load of you. So please send me your thoughts on this show or any show and send them over to Russ Salzberg at Russ Salzberg or on Facebook. And I'll read the best comment or maybe comments of the week. My thanks to my very good producer here and sound guy, Mike Caragliano. Program Director at 77 WABC, Craig Schwab. Of course, the OG Podcast Network. And double, of course, for you people out there. Because without you people, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next week, I say, as I always do, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. The Living Room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.